All right, really appreciate you all. Thank you all for tuning in to the nation. My name is Law Nation, L-A-W Nation. And I figure that a lot of times when I go live like 95, that I leave out my beautiful, my wonderful, my amazing followers that's on the Facebook panel. And I really appreciate you all that's here. Chris, man, shout out to you. You're the first person that's in the chat box, man. I really appreciate you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about will the Dallas Cowboys fold in the NFC? Uh, we got to win the division. That's, what, that's one thing that I can say. We must be able to do that. Secondly, there's news and reports out there of Dak Prescott getting an offer anywhere between 33 and 35 million. Now, I'm with the belief, shout out to you, Gambino. I'm with the belief that Dak Prescott should get anywhere from 35 million. <laughs> he should get that at max amount of money. And uh, if we look at his overall skill set, and I, and I can say this right quick Dak Prescott to me is a gem. We'll do, we'll do ourselves a dishonest service if we say, well, you know what, let's throw him back into the mix. Not, let's not pay him. Let him walk. And we go through the uh, rigmarole of trying to find another quote-unquote quarterback. Shout out to you, man, uh, Anthony. Natchez in the house. Yeah, you already know how Natchez go, man. We, shoot, I love my hometown, man. It's a population of 25,000 for those who don't know. But we close. We close. Everybody knows everybody. Body, body, first and last name and things like that. But neither here nor there. <laughs> Back on subject. Uh, my thing is with Dak Prescott. He's a winner. I do know that he may not throw the best ball. But he works on his craft. And the thing that I get from most of the people when they talk about Dak Prescott, that's in-house, the dude refused to give up an off day. He always practicing. He always working on his craft. Give me that any day. I don't want that that person that that's already physically talented, that's already got everything that you can know from A to Z, and they sitting back saying, that, I don't need nothing. I'm just going to chill, and when the game is called, and I'm, then I'm going to show up. No, don't give me that. Give me that guy that had to fight through adversity. Give me that guy that lost everything. People fail to realize, and this is on a personal topic, the man lost his mom. Who is, by, by chance, a die-hard Cowboys fan? Don't you think for a quick second if you could just sit back and put yourself in Dak Prescott's shoes? I mean, I do know a lot of people don't have their family relatives, but, man, that mom, there's something special about that mom, man. <laughs> you can lose a dad, you know what I mean? But a mom is something different. It's just something different. Good morning to you, uh, Jones. Really appreciate you. Jonathan. Really appreciate you as well. Um, <laughs> you like the background? Really appreciate it. So, and, and, I, and I trimmed the beard down a little bit. If you guys can see, I trimmed it down just a little bit, you know. And it, so it was wild the other day. So let's me, I shaved this morning. <laughs> but neither here nor there. Um, the first topic was, will the Cowboys fold? I, I was watching. Um, through the uh, YouTube, and, and I, I stumble across uh, Steve and A. Smith in that whole panel, and they were saying that uh, pretty much Marcus Spears, he fought for us, and, you know, shout out to Spears, uh, you know, either you got played for the silver and blue, so he still represents us on certain factors, uh, but they don't believe that we have a chance of, or an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl, but that's okay. 
I understand. Media got to do the clickbaits and stuff like that. And they got me. <laughs> they got me because I clicked on the link. And the title was, Will the Cowboys Fold in the NFC? You know? and, and, of course, when I clicked on it, that was like the last topic. You know, They started talking about some old crazy stuff that it was going to be the 49ers, who they didn't play anybody. 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, and the New England Patriots. It's, kind of, it's, it's quite funny to me, though. But neither here nor there. Here's what they were saying. They were saying that uh, uh, pretty much the Cowboys will fold and the biggest day when the egg is going to fall on our faces would be uh, Christmas. I think we play the Eagles again on Christmas Day or something like that. Shout out to you, Jay, man, always holding it down for me. Uh, and a sharer, so thank you for sharing, sharing this content. So my thing is this right here. I always tell people, this team regardless of how we feel about Jason Garrett and regardless of how I feel, it's okay to be emotional. It's okay to be mad and upset and angry about certain things. But what I'm saying here is that this team, they got a level of resiliency. They have a level of when we get our back against the wall. What I'm thinking is that a lot of times what the major news media like to say is bring up stuff in the past. They like to bring up the 8-8, eight and eight, the 8-8, eight and, eight and the 8-8 eight eight team. But in actuality, the guy that wears number four on this team, Rain Dakota Prescott, he figured out ways. He had yet to have a losing season, right? Yeah, Joe, shout out to you, Italy, Joe. He had yet to have a losing season, right? Hmm? So what I'm trying to compose or compel or try to put out there to the universe is this, let's just this thing play, play out. This defense... Yes, we have issues against the run. I, I can't lie to kick it to you. We have under tackles or undersized defensive tackles. Antoine Barbecue Woods may not even can start on most teams, believe it or not. But it just so happened that when you put on the silver and blue, our expectations of players become high. And we begin to say players that are backup players, they should be starters, basically. So what I'm saying is that what we did, we went – before the trade deadline, we picked up a Michael Bennett. Is he the end-all, be-all? No. He's an undersized guy. But one thing that he do as a great situation for Rob Marinelli is shoot the gaps. This is a one-gap system, meaning that if you lined up and you're going to shoot the big gap, you run through it. There's no double hit moves and get upfield. No. This team is designed to stop the pass. And law, how do you stop the pass? Hmm? How do you want to stop the pass when you know for sure that we can barely stop the run? It's simple, very easy. You have to score. You have to get this opposition on their heels. You have to. You have to do this as well. Create turnovers and takeaways, which we are allergic to. But somehow, one way or another, I'm feeling that this particular team found something with that Eagles game. They got tired of the, 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 the hearsay and the news and the noise. I'm feeling that this team can create turnovers. This team can create takeaways. I feel that this team can find opportunities. Shout out to you, Joshua Skinner, the winner, man. Really appreciate you. <laughs> Shout out to you, Jonathan, man. He says, the internet, let me know if I'm still alive because I, I really want to still continue to talk to you guys about this. How I feel about the Dallas Cowboys. It should still be live, though. <laughs> but I, I will say this, though. And good morning and good afternoon to everyone that's here. Um, 
This team level of resiliency is outstanding. And for the news to be heard out there, the saying that Dak Prescott offers anywhere between 33 and 35, I'm still thinking that you go ahead and pay the man. Shout out to you, Scott. You go ahead and pay the person so he won't have this thing on the back of his mental. So he won't have this thing on the back of his mind. It's, it's crazy to me when you are able when you are able to see other teams go ahead and put all of their trust and all of their caring and all of their love and all of, all of their adulations, all of everything to their player on the field when they have yet to prove anything. I do know that Jared Goff, he went to the Super Bowl. But anybody can say to themselves, when you look at the tape and not just look at the highlights, you can see that Dak Prescott is more of a leader. He have more control of the offense. And then on top of that, of course, we don't have the scheme and the schematics that the L.A. Rams had. And nor we had the weaponry on both sides of the ball like they had, you see. But you can say with your natural eyes, when you look at the film and tape, golf wasn't better than Dak Prescott, huh? There's nobody that can show me where he is outside of scheme, schematics, <laughs> you see. And we just got some scheme and schematics with Kelly Moore's of the world, okay? So appreciate the love, man. Thank y'all for the likes. Tony, what's good with you, man? Hector, yes, yes, let's grow this thing. Share this content. But here's the thing. When we start to look at Dak Prescott compared to a Wentz, compared to the uh, Jerry Goff, man, Dak Prescott should have got paid before those boys. But the, the Eagles cry, Eagles cry. <laughs> they went on ahead and said, you know what? We're going to go ahead and pay Carson, who is not even proven yet. And you still have people that love Carson Wentz and don't even look at the total picture of what Dak Prescott had to go against. You see, opposed to a Carson Wentz. As you see, uh, I, I tell a lot of people all the time, and, and you can believe me or you can just say, hey, law, you don't know football. But a quarterback best friend will always be the tight end, then the running back. Of course, the offensive line need to be intact, of course. But what did the Eagles did in 2017? They realized. They said, hey, my quarterback that we have right now will not make it and survive if we don't rear up and get some weapons for him. Oh, but law, Dak Prescott, he needs weapons in order to win. Okay. Let me know what weapons Joe Montana had. I'll wait. Y'all can post them down below. Let me know what type of explosive running back he had. I'll wait. I'll sit back. <laughs> Let me know what type of weapons Troy Aikman had. Mm, I'll wait. Sit back. Chill. Or John Elway. You see, it's a pattern going. Every quarterback that wanted within the last 20 or 30 years had some type of weaponry. They had some type of weapon, whether it be on offense or whether it be on defense. And people fail to realize that every quarterback needs weapons. But for somebody to say, well, Dak Prescott need a perfect offensive line. He needs a, a, a explosive wide receiver. I wonder how many Super Bowls would John Elway would make it to if it wasn't a Jerry Rice or the Roger Craigs of the world. You see? Huh? <laughs> or even Steve Young, you know, without a Brent Jones or without a Jerry Rice or Troy Aikman without an Emmitt Smith, without a Michael Irvin. You see, John Elway without Shea Sharp. You see what I'm saying? Or without the uh, Terrell Davis, who all, all of a sudden, when he got a running attack, that he looks like he can walk on water, right? Hmm. Oh, the low-hanging fruit would be this right here, where the Patriots are able to do it. 
man, Bill Belichick is an anomaly. But also, we got to look at it from here. Every year that you look at the Patriots, they got one thing in common. They got a solid defense. And defense win what? I'll wait. <laughs> yes, yes. And then most of the majority of the Super Bowls that Tom Brady won, it wasn't about 40 and 50 points. It was about what? Three points to kicker. The kicker should get the Golden Foot Award for, for the first three Super Bowls. Defense, have the short area of the field, use the kicker. Those numbers weren't spectacular with, with Tom Brady. So what I'm trying to say is, Cowboy Nation, let's take that weight, let's take all of that pressure off the shoulder because the guy, Dak Prescott, he's showing us and he's proven to us that he can play with pressure. The guy got his contract on his line. He got, hey, if he snap up and fold up and bend his back in half, don't you think that the Cowboys going to say, hey, we're going to give you this five-year max or what have you deal? No. This guy had every reason, just like Emmett, not about to say Emmett Smith, boy, just like uh, Ezekiel Elliott did and say, hey, I'm going to hold out. I'm going to sit back, sit, sip on my coffee down there in Cabo, and I'm not even going to go out there and risk somebody coming off the edge and snapping up my ankle or me in preseason games, somebody blitzing up the A-gap, and uh, all of a sudden I'm folded up like a pretzel. I'm not going to do that without no contract. No. <laughs> Even your boy, Mari Cooper, he had the exact same uh, situation where he could have sat back and said, you know what, Cowboy Nation, Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Will McClay, uh, Chris Hall, and all of those boys that's over there operating this system, I'm not going to get out there and run nobody's route because I can get snapped up. I want Michael Thomas money right now. <laughs> but no, we didn't have we don't have those type of guys. So that's how I'm looking at it. Andre, what's good, man? Once Dak Prescott get paid, he will play better. Um no, I, I don't think that once he get paid, he's going to play better. What I'm looking at is once he get paid, he would think better. He would make better decisions. He would be feel he'll feel appreciated. Now, here's the uh, conundrum piece of it. Of course, he getting 50 over 50 million dollars in endorsements. That is just the power of wearing silver and blue. <laughs> we are crazed fans. Even though we will go on a three-game losing spree, we will still buy apparel. We'll still buy tickets. We'll still be out there. And speaking of tickets, let me just plug my sponsor in here, Cowboys Experience. Just go to www.cowboysexperience.com, and you can purchase tickets to meet up with players and also get an opportunity to go to the game. And we got suites and field passes, too, so... That would be nice. Just use promo code hashtag Law Nation, Cowboys Joe Boo, Vach Lombardi, whatever. You just use those promo codes and you can get some more discounts on your ticket purchases or what have you. So that's what I'm talking about, Cowboy Nation. We have an opportunity right now to change the tone of the NFL, to prove to the naysayers, and that can't wait to the day we make it to the playoffs. We beat that opponent. Then we beat the next opponent, and then we get out there to the grand finale, the Super Bowl, and we host that Lombardi Trophy. Don't you guys know there's going to be real tears out here? Don't you guys know that there's going to be so much tears of joy of us getting to the big dance and us capitalizing off of it? But it starts Monday. We have to show the world that we are not just this one game. Oh, we are amazing Cowboys. The next game we are, are, are you know, 
and what's on the bottom of our foot, cowboys? Ain't this right, Thornton? <laughs> yes. Um, and 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 uh, is it Andre? Yes, agreeing on that. Yes, we have to show the world that we can make it happen. We will let everything happen, and we will have to prove for once and for all that these people that's out here that's doubted our cowboys that they can have the back seat because it's now time for us to jump around with joy. And the right, Jay, he said Jamal Adams has two career interceptions. He's a hybrid linebacker. Come on, Cowboy Nation, on what are you thinking, uh, crap. Uh, okay, you're talking about uh, Jamal Adams. He, he, here's the thing is what Jamal Adams can do. And he two career interceptions. Yeah, he don't have a, a gang of interceptions. But what I can say is that <laughs> Jamal Adams, and although that's water under a bridge, but you still got the offseason next year that you can think about because they did, you know, alienate one of their star players on the Jets. So he may be looking to his agency and saying, hey, I need to get out of here. The thing is, he's better a tackler out in space than Jeff Heath. To me personally, Jeff Heath is a better free safety than he is a strong. All weaknesses on this particular team, and I got to just pull out of the weakness, is the strong safety play. Say whatever you want. And the defensive tackle play. The interior you know, uh, and working out for those who like to work out and get, let to get all of their the, the, the plyometrics going, the calisthenics and all, whatever you guys do. If you can work out with your core, if your core of your body is intact, everything else will follow. It's not about how big your, your, your biceps are. That's allegory in a fight. It's not how big your calf muscles is. It's all about that core, the interior. This right here, this area right here, it's all about getting this right. A lot of people try to work out and they got small arms, but they say, hey, you don't want to fight that guy because his core is intact. Meaning that try to fight somebody that lifts sheetrock all day and uh, and moving shingles all day. And I'm going somewhere. I like to tell you guys this storyline, right? <laughs> try to fight somebody that moves sheetrock all day <laughs> and, 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 uh, and put those shingles up or, or throw bells or hay. You're going to lose that fight in close encounter places <laughs> because their core is always straight. You can't judge a book by its cover. What I'm saying is that the Dallas Cowboys must improve on their core, meaning that the defensive tackle, the, the, the pressure from the inside needs to be improved on. And the difference is between Jeff Heath opposed to Jamal Adams. When we go into the cover one set, we will still have your boy Xavier Woods standing up top at the high point, at the high safety look. And you will have a better roaming safety inside, you see. So when they call the buzzer switch or what have you, that you will have a guy that you know for sure that's not going to allow Jerry Goff to roll around and get 17 yards up the field. <laughs> a guy that's going to be able to take better angles, you see, to get the tackle, a sure tackler, who can feel, who can play the fourth side of the defense and come down and make that connection. Now, I, I will say this. I've been hard on our Dallas Cowboys with the drafting situation because of this right here, Cowboy Nation. We always sit back and we say, well, we need those draft picks. We want those draft picks. We, we love to have these draft picks, love to collect draft picks because it's too much money to get rid of a fifth-round draft pick or a sixth-round draft pick or a fourth-round draft pick or a third-round draft pick. My only thought is with this, you draft for four reasons. 
You draft for team needs. You draft for best player available, just depending on where you're drafting at. And then also you draft for replacement. And then on top of that, you draft, you draft for development. Those are the four reasons that anybody make a draft. <laughs> you just don't draft for entertainment. <laughs> there used to be the old school Jerry Jones, right? Before Will McClay. But I will say this. We cannot collect a lot of draft picks and then in return don't have time to develop that person or to put that person in the system to replace. Right now, it's wasted time for Tristan Hill to be a healthy scratch because that's valuable reps right there, you see. I don't think that you draft for a situation where you're going to redshirt a guy that's in the second round the entire year and then to put him out there next year for him to be going through his development and then going through his growing pains. If you got to do that, then that's when you package up your draft picks because that means that you are closer into your window. You package your draft pick and you get that explosive player, meaning that, hey, oh, a team we need, we need a, the team want a second and a third for this guy. Let me get rid of my second and my third so that I can get a guy that's going to make something happen now. Especially if he's young, then you can utilize that particular pick to propel you into Super Bowls. You see what I'm saying? Or propel you into playoff wins so you can get comfortable winning in the playoff. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. It's not the fact that Tristan Hill is trash. It's not the fact that Connor McGovern is trash. It's not that. But those are two valuable picks resources that we don't know we don't have a clue what they're going to do <laughs> you see what i'm saying shout out to you joshua skinner the winner uh, we draft for replacement in the near future because we can't pay everyone yeah I, I agree you can't pay everyone but i will say this just because you can't play a pay a person don't mean that you can't give value from that person let, me, let, us sink in, let us sink in. I'm going to say that again. Just because you can't pay a person doesn't mean that you can't find value in that person. Meaning that if you know for sure that your thoughts and your, 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 your process is that I'm not trying to pay Anthony Brown. Whenever his contract is up, I'm not trying to pay him. Or I'm not trying to pay Malik Collins because there's too much money for me to pay in that position from the level of product that he's doing out there of production. Meaning that now what we got to do, now I, found, I sound like a preacher, now what we got to do, amen, <laughs> is to package those players together and therefore remove that person from this team by trading that person and therefore you get something in return. Maybe another draft pick. Maybe if you combine and combine those two players and then you can move that player over to another team or you can get some valuable resources and allow the other team that pick them up that needed those players to get some type of remuneration to get something back in return what the cowboys been doing we draft pretty well we do we develop players believe it or not pretty well but on the back end we do not get those things that what we call in return like an anthony hitchens or even uh, Cole Beasley. We used them all the way up and we didn't get nothing in return. We used uh, Dez Bryant. I love Dez, but we didn't get nothing in return. There's a laundry list or a long list of guys that we had on our team that we just let them walk. We let them use them all the way up to the end of their contract and we let them go. I think Ron Leary was one of those guys that we didn't put enough effort to say, okay, Ron Leary, we love you. We love what you bring to the table. 
But at this point of your career, we're going to have to dangle you around. See if we can get a third-round draft pick in return. See if we can get a fourth-round draft pick in return. But I believe we just let him go. Yes, uh, it's called Joseph, a good fit in this offense. This is from Thornton. I don't know. I don't know. Carl Joseph, and, and like my guy uh, Jay was saying, that uh, he don't create, just like Jay was saying about Jamal Adams, is that they don't create enough turnovers and takeaways. And Carl Joseph, there's multiple tape out there of him getting burnt like toast. So we're going to have to look at that too, Cowboy Nation. Um, oh, my goodness. Uh, Jonathan, he says, I really would uh, enjoy Leonard Williams uh, in this particular Offense instead of uh, Michael Bennett. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I, oh my God, I can just close my eyes and, and imagine Leonard Williams. Oh man, it, it, that was out of the Jamal Adams versus the Leonard Williams. Give me Leonard Williams any day. Boy, I would have loved to have the opportunity and the chance to get Leonard Williams opposed to a call. Yeah, I would have loved that, you know. Um, but, you know. Things happen, you know. <laughs> we didn't put in enough uh, on the offer sheet for for him, and, and we saw what happened with that. Yes, indeed. So it, it's one of those things where we have to look back and say to ourselves, okay, that's, that's water on the bridge. Uh, but to see him go to the Giants for a third and a fifth round draft pick, huh, it, it just goes back to what we are using out there around draft pick now. I do know that. We can't see into the future. We don't have a crystal ball, right? Connor McGovern may be the best uh, tackler uh, as it relates to offense in the league next year, or in the following years, you know. Um, but I don't think that he will be missed <laughs> if we were to package up our picks. You see what I'm saying? I can't look into the future and see what our, where, where will our next year's third-round draft pick will be. But dogged, I'll be dogged and grim. If this team is what we say this team is. And we are probably one or two players away to being up here, up here, opposed to being down here. Then you make that move because the historical data shows that, that if you make that move, then that can propel you into the championship. Well, Law, do you have any references on that? Yeah, I do. I have some references on that. Uh, it goes all the way back to the Super Bowl. And I said this on a previous stream before is that in um, Michael Bennett, maybe a still, but he's a bridge guy. Michael Bennett is not a guy that before, yeah, and I want to answer your question at Thornton. Michael Bennett is not a guy that we can look at and say, okay, he's going to be a guy that's going to be on this team for three or four years. No, he's a bridge guy, meaning that it could be like a one-year deal, one-and-done situation. And think about this, we still got to pay Robert Quinn. But we do have franchise tags that we have to utilize, franchise and transitional tag that we can use. But here's what I want to say, is that if we are one or two players away, and I want to bring up the historical data, the Denver Broncos did it. Remember, they got slapped around by the Seattle Seahawks in that Super Bowl. They had to look each other in the mirror and say that this is what we're going to exemplify, or this is what we're going to put out there and exhibit and exude out there for the world to see for us to get slapped down like this. We made it to the Super Bowl. We thought that we was one guy away, but we went and got a Peyton Manning. We thought that that was the end-all, be-all. We thought that he could be able to propel this team to win us a Super Bowl. And they had to hit the reality check, check and say, you know what? It didn't work that way. Let's reinforce this defense. Hmm? 
what they did that year. Somebody can correct me, but I don't have their chart in front of me. But I do know they went and got a Tlaib. I do know they went and reinforced their defense. I do know they went and got some guys that can help out on the uh, outside as it relates to pass rush. They went and spent their resources. They knew that for sure that they didn't have a five-year window. They knew for sure they didn't have a four-year window. Dog it. They could have said, look, we don't even have a three-year window. It's either all or nothing. Jerry Jones himself. You can look at Jerry Jones, and then Lord, Lord, Lord knows he might outlive us all, believe it or not. But one can argue that his best years are behind him right now. You see what I'm saying? He don't have a lot of years in front of him. And I'm not saying that the guy's going to croak because I'll be the first person to do a live stream and cry all the way here to here to China almost. It'd be enough tears of, 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 of sadness and all this stuff. But Jerry Jones, one can argue and say, we don't see Jerry Jones being around here for another 15 to 20 years. He might outlive us all now. We never know. I can't speak on that, you see. But if Jerry Jones really want to see another Super Bowl, he got to go ahead and utilize those resources. It's good to be conservative. It's good to sit back and chill and relax. Let me sip on my coffee. It's good. It's good to do those things. But the Denver Broncos' reality was, I'm going back to Denver Broncos, that they can't win the Super Bowl. They don't go out there and spend and take the risk. And I think they get, did they get rid of their coach too? Let me know on that. Let me know. Educate me because I can't recall that back, that <laughs> far back. And uh, let me uh, pull up this too. They said the same thing to the Patriots. Patriots looked around and said, man, we just got out, but slapped around by the Denver Broncos or, or whoever they lost to um, to make it to the next level. Huh. And they, and they started talking about Tom Brady. Maybe he's getting too old. And they said, but dog it, we going to go out there and do the same thing. They went and pick up a Tlaib. <laughs> they went and pick up a Reavers, I believe, at one point. And they start fiddle-faddling around with the one-year deals. And then that's when they said, you know what? Forget just dealing with these one-year deals because they did want a Super Bowl. They just been blessed, blessed. But they did figure out a way to say to themselves, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and pay for it. They went and paid over $60 million for Stephen, uh, Stephen Gilmore, I believe. At the time, I was looking at it like, because I did a film session on Gilmore, and believe it or not, this is no clout. This is not me capping or anything like that. But he reached out to me in my inbox and said, bro, Thank you for this film session. A lot of people don't understand what I do. And I kid you not, I wish I can go all the way back because I, I tagged him on my Facebook page, my original Law Nation Facebook page. And he said, thank you, bro. And I was like, yeah, come on, the Cowboys. We need a corner like you, you see. But neither here nor there, the Patriots reached deep down in their pockets and they said, you know what, forget it. We fiddle-faddled around with Revis. We fiddle-faddled around with Tlaib. Let's just go ahead and get us a dynamic cornerback. And let me know how he's doing this year, Cowboy Nation. Uh, tomorrow, really appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to the nation. You're live like 95. Yes, uh, Gilmore is underrated. Yes, yes, indeed, Thornton. Exactly what I used to say. I should have made a deal with Adams, even if it's two ones. Yeah, <clears throat> my thing is two first-round draft picks. Would have been like, okay, if you look at it from the Cowboys' lenses, are you expecting your first-round draft pick? If, if the Cowboys are looking, if, they, if the Cowboys really believe in themselves, right? Hear me out. I know I've been talking for a long time, but just hear me out. Shout out to you, James. Uh, if the Cowboys really believe in themselves, 
And they say, okay, we need to utilize these first-round draft picks in the future. But I will say, if you really believe in yourself, it's not about the first-round draft picks because the historical data will show you that you really don't need the first-round draft pick. Hold on before y'all crucify me. When the last time the Patriots had a, a, a top 10 first-round draft pick or a top five first-round draft pick or, uh, or picking out of the draft pick in the, um, the, the 22nd or the 26th or the 23rd, you see what I'm saying? They don't pick in those areas. So you say they normally, believe it or not, they get a first-round draft pick and they will get, they'll move up out of there. They'll, they'll trade it away. They'll give it away. They will prefer to have multiple seconds and thirds. So if you look at it from the same lenses of the Dallas Cowboys, yes, LVE is dynamic. But if we look back at our first-round draft pick from a, the, the previous year before that, the Taco Charlton's of the world, right? And if you go all the way back, of course, yes, Ezekiel, the main man, Melly, is a life changer. But if you go before that and before that and before that, most of the time we're picking in the back end of the draft anyway, meaning that we don't do worse enough to get in those top five draft picks. The only time we had the opportunity was what? Before the Ezekiel Elliott pick was all the way back when we picked up uh, Mo Claiborne. I think we had to move up a little bit. We moved up. We passed on a lot of guys, and we picked up Mo Claiborne with the sixth overall draft pick. Let me know how that stuff is going. What I'm trying to say is that if you know for sure that you got a dynamic player and you want that player really bad, you have to look at it. Where are you going to be really picking at in the draft anyway, you see? So I'm looking at it like this, Cowboy Nation. If we can just say to ourselves, a two first-round draft pick, was it, was it really going to set this franchise back? Or you can challenge the Jets and say, I can't give you two first-round draft picks, but I can give you a first and two-thirds. Or I give you a first, a third, and a conditional second. You got to be able to do that. I don't, I'm not in the negotiation room. I'm not in the uh, willing and dealing phase of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not even close to being there. Some people can say, Law, you crazy. Why you don't give up first-round draft pick capital anyway? You wouldn't even be able to make that Mari Cooper trade. I think the teams will understand. Even if we didn't have a first-round draft pick for Amari Cooper, I guarantee you that the Raiders were so willing to get rid of Amari Cooper that we could have still offered him a second and the next in the following years first, and we would have still been able to get Amari Cooper. Negotiations and willing and dealing is always a part of the thing. You got to be able to look at it, or you can say, okay, for Amari Cooper, we'll throw in an Anthony Brown, or we'll throw in a second round draft pick. You see how this thing can go? <laughs> but you have to be willing to move on certain players that you know that's not going to be the staple piece of your particular team. That's all I'm saying. Uh, James, he said, speak the truth. Man, <laughs> I just try not to lie to kick it. You know, I'm not going to be that guy that said, hey, Cowboy Nation, we're going to go 16-0 and or 19-0 and every year. I'm not that guy. I'm just going to look at it realistically and say, here's, here's where we are doing good, and here's where we are doing bad at. And this is what we need to improve on, you see. And trust me, every year people call me the Dak Prescott apologist. But I always say this with Dak. He had to go through his reads, progressions better. He had to understand what the defense is doing off the blitz and who Dak Prescott is good against the blitz. But he also had to take control of the offense and out of, out of uh, crazy plays, you see, that's called into him. And looking back at this team, 
That's what they really loved about Dak Prescott opposed to Tony Romo. Because whatever the coach were calling out there, Dak Prescott go under center and he calls the play that the coach calls. Tony Romo used to change the play all the time. <laughs> and trust me, now that we're figuring things out, we look at it like, man, dang, Tony Romo was a genius out there. It was more of Scott Lenahan issues or Jason Garrett issues with these certain, certain uh, tendencies of the offense. But at least we have to move on from Romo. And then we brought in Dak Prescott, who called the plays whatever was called out there. It worked for us because the teams were not able to adjust in 2016. They said, man, they got an explosive running back who Ezekiel Elliott was running a whole lot more explosive than he was in the following years. And then on top of that, the offensive line was a little bit more healthier in 2016 opposed to now. So it, it's one of those things where we still have a dynamic team. We still have a great team. Um, I think that, just to go back to my first topic, probably 30 minutes ago, <laughs> is that this team will not fold. We have the level of resiliency. We have the understanding that everybody is against us, including the Four Ladder Network. We understand that. And then on top of that, we have to go and look into these parameters too. The defense. Defense win championships. If we can play like we played at the level with the Eagles, jump on early, get turnovers, get takeaways, however you call it, and if we can score early and often, then we would see that part of the Dallas Cowboys, regardless of whether or not we have a Jamal Adams or not. I think that Jeff Heath is not trash. He's far from that. But what Jeff Heath is, and I have to call a spade a spade, he's not a starter. He's not a guy that you're going to look at on your team and say, man, we won this game because of him. But at the same time, we're not going to look at Jeff Heath and say, we lost this game because of him. Jeff Heath is the quote-unquote, I like to give analogies. He is that spare. When you drive in your car and you get that flat, and you can pull over to the side, you, you read the instructions. If you don't know how to change a flat, you put that spare on your car. And there's small writings within those instructions of the spare. It says, do not travel over 50 miles. Do not go... Uh, um, faster than 65 miles per hour because that spare tire is not being not able to do the things that the other tires are able to do. What we did, have you ever seen Cowboy Nation, a guy to go out there and buy the rims? <laughs> I had to use this analogy, I love it. A guy to go out there and buy the rims, he put it on his old school Monte Carlo and you look at it and you say, man, that's a nice car. And then he comes around the corner he still got his spare on his rims. You see what I'm saying? Spare on his tire. He got three rims, which looking good. But you're saying, bro, what are you still doing with the spare? You can't afford to go get another tire? <laughs> Why don't you trade the rims in and get you some four tires that you know for sure they're going to last you? But the flashy aspect of certain people, they still would rather roll around with their spare two to three weeks, four weeks in advance, knowing that, yes, they can still go to A to Z, but, but they should know that it, that spare makes you limited, you see. You end up burning more gas. <laughs> you end up looking more foolish and silly out there. And this is what the Cowboys have been doing collectively as it relates to defensive tackle, as it relates to safety play. They've been looking out there and saying, instead of going in and investing in another tire and taking all of the flash off and just getting something that's solid, they said they're going to keep their spare on there. 
Oh, we winning. We looking good. <laughs> we, we, we looking okay. But then what, what happened here is when you go through a pothole, you see, they expire, expose you. Or when it need to time to, uh, you know, to travel over 50 miles or, or to go over 65 miles per hour, that spare begins to wobble and shake. Oh, Lord, what do you have evidence on? What do you have evidence on? Playoff game, Jerry Goff getting off to the edge. I think a dynamic safety that's going to be inside in the inbox knows and have cognitive and cerebral enough to know that, hey, control the force on the backside so I won't be shaking. <laughs> control the force on the backside. Seal off the edge. If anything, give him the inside. If he's going to have to run, let him run through trash. Oh, Lord, what do you have on the Jets game? The safety, although he would have to run the average of 40 yards. But at the same time, the safety in the middle of the field, a great safety, a guy that make plays on the ball on a consistent level will not get beat like that. Oh, Lord, you just reaching for low-hanging fruit on Jeff Heath, man. You're talking bad about my boy. That's my guy. Okay, that could be your guy. But there was a similar play that could have busted open wide, wide open against the Eagles. It's just that Carson didn't connect. Safety play. I think it was Nelson Aguilar, whatever, Nelson Aguilar, whatever. Beat his man over the top. He's wide open. It's just him, space, and opportunity, and maybe God just sitting there. The safety millions of miles away. <laughs> they connected. Don't you know that changed the momentum of everything? Safety play being out of position. And I can say the same and similar things as relates to defensive tackle. Uh, James says, great analogy. Yes, really appreciate you. Jonathan says, happy Halloween, Cowboys. Yes, happy Halloween, Cowboy Nation. Um, I, I really appreciate you all. Let me see if I can read somebody else's comment here. Um, he says, we are good enough on offense. Okay. Yeah, yeah you are. The comment ran, ran away with me. Um, Aguilar dropped that pass. Thank God. <laughs> Would have changed everything. This is from James. I don't think the pass was like like right here and the ball was kind of like right where the camera is at. You know, that's how close that ball was where it was uh, 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 for him to uh, to make the extension to reach out and catch. But football, and I have to say this all the time, a lot of times people look at football and say, well, we got blown out or we got – well, we blew them out. Normally in football, good teams. This is supposed to be parity in the league. All these good teams are supposed to be close margins of one another. But if you look back at football collectively, really, there's one or two plays that really separate a win from a loss. That's why I say football is a game of inches. And, and we can play the if card, right? The if card. If Jason Witten never fumbled that ball, right? If he never fumbled that ball against the Saints, we win. Or if the officials really open up their eyes and see that Ezekiel elbow was down, we win. You see, um, the kicker makes the kicks, we win. You see, football is a fickle sport. It's a sport that we can look at, and it's a game of inches. And, and of course, I was on a stream the other day, and, I, and a guy said, Saints fear me. Uh, I, I, well, he said he feared the Saints most, the most. Out of all of the teams, he feared the Saints the most. And I, 
and I, and, I, and I brought up that same thing, and I said with the same sentiments, if the Cowboys win that game, will your perception change? Because people were already saying that Teddy Bridgewater is better than Dak Prescott because of the win factor. And I, I, was, I had to say to him, like, no. When you re-watch the tape, regardless of how you look at it, Dak Prescott still outperformed Teddy, you see. And out of all of those five games they won, which is cool, Teddy didn't win those games by himself, the defense, you see. So we can't put so much weight on one game. Yes, we lost by two points. They dominated with the defense and with the help, the help of the officials. But you shouldn't look at it like we should fear the Saints. We was in their territory, and we played them rough or tough if you want to look at it in those parameters. So um, I, I just look at it like if the Saints is who you fear, then the Cowboys are four and three who gave them all, we gave them a, a good run for their money. You can still argue and say that we should still be with the same hopes in that category as well. It's just that we need to get more turnovers and takeaways. Of course, I'm going to use the forbidding word around here. We have to execute uh, and we have to play better. We have to score when we get the opportunities. And I think that this team, it all depends on Monday. Historical data shows that this team come out flat during the bye, after the bye. So if Jason Garrett can wield his team and we come out hard, strong termination, tenacity, fight, don't give up the small things, and we stay poised and we win on a dominant fashion because that's a team that we should win against. Just like the Jets, we should have beat the Jets. If we come out like that, then I say, okay, we about that championship. We about that win life. But if we come out flat, it's going to be hard to change my mind about this Dallas Cowboys. Speaking of my mind, that's been my time. I really thank you all. Thank you guys for, who shared this content. Thank you all who uh, who participated and communicated and, and going back and forth with me. I love that. Uh, I always have to say this. Although we don't look alike, we might look different, you see. <laughs> it's just like Auntie Shirley's spaghetti. She may think she cooked the best spaghetti, and some family members do think so when she's around. But everybody knows Auntie Pam. <laughs> Pam cooked the best spaghetti, and that's just my opinion. We have different opinions. We have different views is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but that's what makes us unique. That's what makes us enjoy, enjoy life. Um, if you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you and make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, lie about, don't deal in lies or hate it and yet give way to hating, and yet don't look too good nor talk too wise, if you can think and not make thought your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth, you spoke and twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools or watch the things you gave your whole life for, broken and stooped and build back up again with worn out twos. If you can take one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss to lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe one word of your loss. That's what I'm talking about, Cowboy Nation. If you can walk with kings and presidents, Legends like Roger Starback and Troy Aikman's of the worlds, right? And the Emmett Smith and Mike Irvin. And never lose one breath of your thoughts. 
If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, my cowboy nations, then you, my friends, have understood what a true meaning, what it takes to be a Dallas Cowboys fan. And like I always say, then from that point, you'll know for sure that you are a man, a woman, or, you know, a star. For all of those who's listening, you are a winner. That's just been my motivational talk for this last piece. That's been my time. I really thank you all for yours. And remember, you're listening to nothing but the best. Shout out to you, Joshua and Victor. Let's go. Share this thing. Continue to share. Hit that share button. Subscribe to the nation, baby.